Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Last Drinks Podcast, a new conversation about how to navigate an awesome life without alcohol, reframing the cultural norms around alcohol in our lives, and hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Rob Mills is one of our favourite first season finalists from Australian Idol and he's managed to carve out a pretty successful career for himself spanning the small screen and the stage. He's hugely talented and he has recently reframed his relationship with alcohol. He realised after a personal tragedy that he was really sad and an alcohol reframe was how he got his happiness back. Please enjoy Last Drinks with Rob Mills. Yo, yo, yo. Um, are you ready to go? Oh, I'm ready. Rob Mills, can you tell me about your last drink? Well, my last sort of big drink was 2020. We just got out of lockdown and caught mm. up with a bunch of friends and it got pretty messy for a couple of weekends. We'd been locked in our houses for three months or so. I think it was the initial lockdown in Victoria, in Melbourne. And yeah, so you're living in Melbourne at this time. I was living in Melbourne at the time, yeah, and it was... Oh look, it was it was okay. I live a pretty good life. I'm not I'm not living like the Hollywood life, <laughs> making songs about Imagine, um, but I'm but I live a, an okay life. City apartment in Melbourne. I was, um, although the city was in complete lockdown, <laughs> and it was, it was empty. <laughs> it was a bit like that movie, uh, Will Smith's movie. <laughs> Everything was just dead empty. So I caught up with some friends soon after the lockdown, or like the weekend, as soon as we were open, and then had a few drinks and had a few more and yeah I just got just got more sad uh just because you know alcohol is a depressant I'd also I'd lost my friend Michael Fowson which was also pretty sad um we'd done a bunch of gigs together he's a musical theater guy actor producer um all-around good guy um and also a friend of mine from high school had also passed away to cancer in the same like the same couple of weeks um, mm. It was pretty, yeah, it's pretty tragic. And I think instead of dealing with the grief, like most people, we just have a few drinks and that's ah, going to be all right. But yeah, it just makes it worse. It just compounds it if you just put those feelings away. Compounded feelings, Maz. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, if there's a PhD in compounded feelings, <laughs> I have it. Uh, you know me. We And we've had, back in 2014 when I lived in Melbourne, we had some very large evenings oh, together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So leading up to this really sad time in your life, can you describe the kind of drinker that you think you were or the re- can you oh, express okay. your relationship with alcohol? Yeah, I'd already been doing some work on it uh, in the years leading up to this. So um, my partner and I, don't really, we don't really drink at home. Unless we have people over, I don't think you'll, you'll ever see us having a drink together. Yeah, it's more of a social thing for us. So I'd already been working on my relationship with alcohol in the years 
prior, uh, doing some work with Hello Sunday Morning, been using the Daybreak app um, just to try and track my sort of progress of why I chose to reward myself with alcohol or what I was using alcohol for. So I was in a pretty good place uh, leading up to this anyway. So um, I already had a pretty good grasp on why I was using alcohol. and But it actually just crept up on me. I was like, oh, catching up with friends. I'll just have a few more drinks. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking yeah. a lot. And also I'm going through, as I said, the, the grief of losing a few friends and also my whole industry completely being out of work. I am so sorry that, oh, man, that's just really hard. And oh, it's, it's really sad. And I think what a lot of us do and no judgment, but a lot of us go to regulation when things are out of control. And when we've got all these feelings and we're not sure how to manage them, and so we we go and grab a coping mechanism rather than a dealing mechanism. And maybe that's why, you know, the, the stats on people who are drinking in lockdown are pretty astronomical. It sounds like you had already sort of dabbled in sober curiosity heading into lockdown. And so when you were sort of put in that position with some sadness and, you know, an industry that had essentially imploded, you were almost already equipped to handle it. Thankfully for, for me, as I said, with my partner and I, we didn't use alcohol through the, through the lockdown at all. In fact, hearing people talk about the amount of alcohol that they'd, uh, they drank through throughout their lockdowns, I was, ast- I was astounded. Like my mind boggled. I was like, How? How, how were you not just so sad because of drinking every day? Like, oh, I just needed a drink. Sometimes it was before midday, but I was like, oh, it's got to get me through. Just got to get me through. I just go for a walk. I mean, we had two hours of exercise that we could have in Melbourne and that was enough for, to get me motivated and get my endorphins going. Had I used it in the past? Yeah, probably, as, as we all had um, as a distraction all throughout, you know, uh, throughout my 20s. Oh, through like through my late teens, while everyone was going out drinking and partying, I was working in pubs, so I would sing three, four nights a week while most of my friends were out um, drinking and partying. So after Idol, which is the sort of the first time I had some freedom of not working on weekends, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to catch up," <laughs> and catch up I did. 2014, which was my last year of drinking, um, I was so sad, and I. Oh, you probably don't know this, Millsy, but I that was a really up and down year for me emotionally because I had this major imposter syndrome because I had this really incredible job. You're awesome at the job, t- by the way. Thank you. But I had a ton of money and I did not feel worthy. So there was this huge disconnect. So I think I drank to cope with those feelings of insecurity. And then one of my really good friends passed away on the 5th of September that year and I spiralled because I was so sad that my friend wasn't around anymore and I was like life is so fragile I don't know what I'm doing I'm just gonna drink and it was in all of that sadness and loss that I realized there might be a better way to cope with these feelings to manage my grief to process what I'm going through to deal with the imposter syndrome and that was sort of when I kind of started having those sober curious thoughts of like Imagine what would happen if I didn't drink for 24 hours because that at that point in my life would have been a small miracle. So what was it for you that I guess led you to that last big drink? Was it 
an incident? Did something happen? It wasn't anything specific. It was just a general malaise, the, the sort of feeling. And we were already feeling it. Like there was a, uh, it was a great article, I think Washington Post a few years ago, talked about the languishing. You're not flailing, but you're also not really, you're not winning at life either. So they called it this sort of languishing. And I, I feel like I was in that, that place, as I said before, like especially my whole industry had been shut down. The gigs that we're doing were very similar to this on a Zoom. <laughs> so <laughs> not quite the gigs that we're used to. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was anything specific. It was more to do with just a general feeling of malaise. Um, And as I said, luckily I'd done some work in the lead up to this. I could tell the signs. I could see the signs. Like I knew that I wasn't spiraling out of control. I had been seeing a psych the last probably four or five years now. I've got a really good one, which I highly recommend to everyone. I'm sure a lot of your guests that you've had on this show will talk about the importance of seeing someone who's unbiased to help you deal with your stuff instead of grabbing a bottle or trying to get some advice from a friend, which is also great, but also sometimes um, problematic. Having someone like my psych to talk to really helped as well. Oh my God, I, I couldn't agree more. Having, having a counsellor or a psychologist is, is so incredibly helpful to just help you process and feel feelings rather than suppress feelings. I'm interested to know... Um, did you ever say to yourself, well, I'm never drinking again, or did you sort of leave it a little more fluid? I've never said to myself, I'll never drink again, um, but I do definitely still go through periods of no drinking at all. Like I was at a music festival over the weekend, I had a few beers, but I know how to not be like crazy meals. Or, or yeah, or well, like moderate. Four, four. I think it's, it's, it's moderation, I think, is where you get, when you've had some time off, which you have, you get a better understanding of your relationship with alcohol. And if you can manage that, people are able to exist and moderate. So I think, and then you pivot, Yeah, you know, so, yeah, so you have a couple of beers at a music festival, you might have a couple of months off drinking and neither one of those situations is, is a really huge deal for you. Yeah, there's a, there's a great saying, I saw this acting coach many years ago. Uh, I don't want to get full Dan Ewing about all this, guys. Sorry, um, but... <laughs> Rob, Rob went and saw this acting coach. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, That's funny. He said, don't hurt yourself and don't hurt other people. It's pretty simple, right? So as long as your actions or the attitude or like it's not hurting other people, you're not hurting yourself with it, then I think it's pretty good. But if your alcohol, your alcohol intake or your drinking is hurting other people, whether it's the, just their feelings or whether it's physically, uh, you should probably be looking at taking a better look at your, your relationship. So luckily for me, my relationship with alcohol is excellent now. I don't have the, um, the urge to keep drinking to oblivion anymore, which I think I had probably in my 20s to forget life. Now I'm like, I love life. Life's excellent. My life is excellent. I've got a great partner. Mm. I've got a great work ethic. Yeah, I've got great friends. I've got great family. I've got good relationships with, the, with all these people. So uh, I don't need the massive escapism. The, the little escapism is quite good. It's like, ah, oh, oh, a bit of carefree attitude. <laughs> But mm. as soon as I think it keeps going to, oh, I'm going to keep drinking 10, 11 tea beers, you, you probably need to just go, oh, I wonder why I'm doing that. I wonder why I've actually decided not to go home when I could have gone home, you know? I totally know what you're talking about. And I think so many people listening will, will resonate with that. So when you come to, and I don't love using labels, but when you come to, I guess, moderating 
the amount of alcohol you're going to drink or if you're going to drink or not drink, what question are you asking yourself on that particular day? The way I do it is is monitoring my happiness levels, sadness levels or just my temperament. Um, like after the weekend, I was like, oh, it's, that's enough. That's enough for, for a while. I'm just going to get fo- – like I, I find myself more productive when I'm not drinking, so – um, but I still do love a, a catch up with a friend and having a couple of beers. And what has been handy for me was the app Day, Daybreak, knowing that there was a community of people who were choosing not to drink. And also, um, not just choosing not to drink, but just working out their relationship with alcohol. So it's kind of like a Facebook thread or Twitter thread, except it's just all positive. Hey, mate, you're doing awesome. Good job. Hey, sober for 300 days. Mate, awesome. Like it's a really supportive community. Also has psych help on there. Um, that you can talk to a qualified psych about all this stuff, all while just using an app from the comfort of your own home. So I, I think that helped, knowing that there were more people out there doing it. I think these discussions are really good. I think the amount of beer companies that are out there, uh, I've got a mate that works at CEB, he said the highest growth in their beer sales is zero beers, or as my mate calls them, zero beeros. <laughs> That's great. My mate Bobby Fox and I went for a walk grabbed a six-pack of Zeros, went to a park and just had a couple of zero, like had a chat, like we had, hadn't had a catch-up for a while, so we just had some Zero beers in the park. It was awesome. It was a sunny day. It was beautiful. What's not to love? You do what works. If Zero beers works for you, that's great that it works for you. Do you think there's like a, a number one question people can ask themselves if they're sober curious or like a starting question? to kind of start that conversation with themselves about their relationship with alcohol. Do you like yourself sober? Like that's that's a real, like do you, a lot of people go, I, I'm a better person when I'm drunk. I've got less inhibitions. I've got, you know, I can speak freely. I'm like, you can do all that. <laughs> you can do all that sober. Like just get the, find ways to get the confidence or find ways to get the the vibe up in yourself. It is possible, as I said, whether it's, I'm not saying before you walk into the pub, you do some jumping jacks, but like <laughs> some push-ups, I don't know. But there are ways to feel invigorated or surround yourself with um, different people. I'm quite extroverted. So if I'm around really quiet people, I'm quite quiet. But if I'm around louder people, there's more energy. I'm quite um, quite up and about. So once again, it just goes back to um, working out who you are. You lose the caring factor when you drink, right? You just do stuff because you don't care. Um, yeah. You can also not care about what other people think. There's the dance like no one's watching. Um, you know, like you, you can still do that sober. It's just embar- it's embarrassing. It's just your pride and your ego that's getting in the way. But just let it go. Just dance. This whole thing is a journey. So you, I don't think that there's a point of arrival no. with sobriety necessarily. With anything, actually. No, nothing. And the, the point of these conversations is about for each person to take the responsibility to look at their relationship with alcohol and assess what is right and good for them. And we know that there are people that have become sober on a particular day and would never have another drink ever again. And that's their journey. And that's, you know, that's the paradigm shift that they've had. Then there are other people that can moderate. It's this sliding scale. And so this is why I love having these conversations because I'm seven years sober and I'm still discovering stuff about how I feel about my sober self. Um, sometimes I think about 
how shameful I feel about my unsober self. Oh, that's and, not helpful. You know that that haunts me sometimes too. And I, but it's all about taking it in and processing it for what it is today, and then it's for me committing to being my best self and showing up as my best self. And I know if I have a drink, I'm not going to be my best self. I'm just not. So that's why for me it's off the table. But for yourself, Milsey, like you're pivoting and if you can manage that and you're comfortable with that, then that I think is a healthy relationship with alcohol for you, your journey and for where you've been and for where you're going. Yeah, totally. And as long as you work out your exactly your your own journey with it, um, that's that's the better. There is no right or wrong. Everyone is different. Everyone is unique. And I, I love that. I love that about people. And I also love being able to sit around and chat with people who are at different stages of their sobriety as well. I think it's bloody great. I think just even having the conversations is really good for people that we've lost the stereotype of. I was talking to my dad about this the other day. He's like. Do you know how much crap I used to get from like goes from your uncles when I turn up with a couple with a pack of light beers to the party? I'm like, why? He goes, because they're all like, oh, you're drinking light beers, Millsy. Uh. And my dad's like, because of course your dad's name is Millsy yeah, yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> Mr. Millsy. Mr. Millsy. And I thought to myself, I said to him like, in that in that moment, I go, you're still holding on to that as if you were in the wrong. Okay, you were sober enough to drive to drive us home. He goes, oh, yeah, your uncles, they would like sometimes just leave the car and have to get it the next day. And I went, how would they get the kids home? Okay, Dad, how great of you that you had the foresight to drink light beers so then you could drive the whole family home and we didn't die. Like, that's to be applauded. That's one of the things I love most about um, working with Hello Sunday Morning is there's no, I'm not shaming people in drinking. I'm not shaming people in getting shit-faced or um, drinking too much or feeling hungover, let's celebrate the people who are doing the right thing. Let's celebrate, not the right thing, but celebrate the people who are, let's celebrate the positivity. Sunday morning, they're out, they're out running or they're out in an adventure or they're taking the kids somewhere or you don't really win with just shaming other people as we've seen on social media the last 10 years. It doesn't, doesn't help. <laughs> let's just celebrate the, uh, I don't know, the goodness in, in people. And there is a lot of good to celebrate, but I think what happens is, The peer pressure bit is so huge and we don't, I mean, it's so easy to go along with it. Well, it's the easier choice to go along with what everyone else is doing, you know, and even I think back to, and I don't blame anyone or any industry for how I developed an alcohol dependency disorder, but I remember back in the MTV days it was like the boys club and I almost felt like I had to keep up with the boys and I'm talking, you know, like CEOs and um, like bosses and bosses, bosses and the hierarchy of bosses. <laughs> I think I felt like I had to keep up with those guys to feel worthy of the space and worthy of the job that I had because it was such an awesome job. And so it, it, it's just easier to go along with the crowd, which makes sobriety really tricky. The more I think of it, we are actually hardwired to just get along, to not free think, to not critical think. Um, and that starts mm. at a very young age. So we're more likely to just go, just to go, to, just to get along. Like you were saying, Maz, what would have happened if not just you, but a couple of other guys were like, no, nah, I'm not really into it. And the majority of the people just were not into it as much, then this is what would happen. The majority of the people would not want to drink as much. But because right. for some reason, um, everyone just goes along with it. But I think we're mm. getting more an understanding that 
Oh, I actually don't really feel like <laughs> feeling like absolute dog's balls the next day. <laughs> so I probably won't drink as much. I feel like I've just gone along with the drinking culture over the years. I've just enjoyed it. I don't know. I've been more of a free spirit, especially the older I get. I go, nah, good, thanks. <laughs> We're just better at setting boundaries. Yeah, I exactly. Think. Yeah, like, that's, that's a really good You get good a bit older and it's almost like the inhibition thing where you get a bit older and you're like, ah, whatever, like whatever. Like yeah. I've got a healthy boundary. I want to get up in the morning and not be hungover. So you can carry on. Like you do, I have found anyway, like you do seem to care less about keeping up with everybody um the old the more the older i don't want to say older because we're so old um but the, yeah, the more mature you know mm-hmm. milsey you are the first dude i've had on the podcast so and i know guys and girls are so different um our brains work differently so as a guy have you felt really supported in your choice to moderate guys are not good at um offloading very well there's a there's, a, there's something in the mm the male psyche that feels that like we don't want to burden other people. Um, we mm. don't want to burden them with, with our stuff. As a man, we, we, we have to be seen to be – we've got our shit together. So I keep swearing on your podcast. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> um, that, we've got our, that we've got our stuff together, that we – the masters of our domain, we're, we're very scared at showing any kind of vulnerability. We, we see that as a weakness. So what's interesting mm. – uh, I'm sure, Maz, you've had this conversation with your friends. Why is it we wait till, and I had one with my brother the other night, that he drank so much and then he just cried. He cried. He said he was going to miss me when I was moving to Sydney. I was like, you can just tell me this. Like, and it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. just that. It, was, it wasn't just that. It yeah. was a lot of other stuff that's been happening in our, in our lives. But like, why did it take to get to that many drinks? It's because of fear of, once again, I think it's the fear of the ego and the pride and this fear of being vulnerable. I've spoken to mates about this after like, I go, do you remember when you cried? They're like, no, I didn't. I didn't cry. I suppose I used to do it as well when I was younger. Now I just cry when I listen to music driving the car. Criving, I think we call it. Do you have a go-to criving song? Because Adele sets me off pretty hard these days. It's a uh, Gang of Youth song that came on the other day. Reminds me of um, a friend that passed passed away anyway. A a, a trip that we went with um, a friend of mine. It came on and I was just absolutely running and screaming and crying because not everything means something honey <laughs> anyway and i think that's one of the reasons why we we probably drink we don't want to feel sad everyone wants to feel happy all the time it's not the happiness mm. trap it's get over it you're gonna feel sad it's gonna be part of your life just cop it deal with it unpack the box or you get that yeah compound sadness if you can drive and cry i think you've really mastered the balance <laughs> Where where did you start? Where can you send people who are listening to this going, okay, maybe a reframe. Maybe I'm up for a bit of a redefining my relationship with alcohol. I would suggest Daybreak the app. Um, there's heaps of really good advice on there. Um, right. There's also, as I said, there's a really wonderful community on there. You can just say, hey, people will be like, hey. Uh, it's a really positive, beautiful community. I would suggest, well, this is hard for people, but and at the moment, there's a long waiting list to go see a psych, but go to your GP, sign up for a mental health plan. Uh, no, it doesn't mean that you're mental. It just means that you actually care about yourself and other people around you. Get a mental health plan, go get, go see a psych. Um, also remember, if the first psych that you see you don't like, you don't have to see them. It's okay. There are other ones out there, like personal trainers, like hairdressers, like dentists, like, like physios. Find one that suits you. Instead of uh, smashing a podcast, uh, this is quite bad at me saying this because I'm on a podcast right now. Um, <laughs> next time next time you go for a walk, listen to nothing. Just listen to yourself. 
have a little, have a couple little chats with yourself, uh, or start journaling, writing some stuff down that's in your head. That might also help you with some answers to your questions. And it's okay that you feel insecure, or it's okay that you feel bad about certain things within yourself. Your best just to write it out, talk to a professional to get it to help you um, make sense of it. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of little things there, Maz. If that helps. Yeah, no, that's that's so good because some people might go, oh, journaling. Ooh, I don't. No, I'm yeah. not a writer. But then you, you, but they might go, I'd love to go and do some talk therapy with someone that really, you know, works for me or, you know, people who are really love apps and being online. I think it's great. To, there's so many options. Yeah. Z- on- just zero bureaus. If you, or there's so many different alcohol brands now that are making non-alcoholic stuff. So if you really want the taste, go for it. But if you really want the, the loss of inhibitions, ask yourself why you want the loss of inhibitions. Um, if it's, if it is becoming a problem for you, but if it's not, I would just suggest drinking like have a beer and then have two waters and then have another beer. You can't get more drunk. I keep telling people like you get to a level of sort of tipsy, a couple of beers in, you're like, well, that's a good level. But most people go, I'll just keep, I'll keep feeling that. Keep going. That's it's ridiculous. It's not, it's not possible. It's not science. Have some waters, taper out and feel like that's the place that you want to stay for the rest of your night. Go for it. But as I said, I don't think you really need it. There's better ways to lose those inhibitions and that's just building up your own self-worth. It's so good. Well, thank you for your time and for being my friend. Love you, friend. Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at Last Drinks Pod. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.